Check this out, y'all. Audio level full volume. It's go time. This is Border to Border with Matt Josephs. He's super famous. This guy's a fraud, a phony. I respect women. I love women. I respect them so much that I completely stay away from them. Matt, your manliness is overwhelming. Sports, 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 sports. Audio level full volume. It's go time. Here's Matt Josephs on Richmond's 1061 ESPN. Good afternoon, everybody. Border to Border, 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here on a show I did not expect to be doing. Uh, we figured that ESPN uh, pregame show for the baseball this afternoon was going to be at 3 o'clock. Uh, and they were going to do uh, start the games at 4, but they moved it back to 4.30. The pregame show starts at 4, so I am here on a Monday uh, after a busy weekend, of course, uh, with all sorts of college football, Major League Baseball, and the NFL as well. We will touch on it all as we do each and every Monday, each every, each and every day on the show as a whole. Uh, three two seven zero eight eight eight. That is the phone number. That is the text line. Eight zero four is the area code for the show. Uh, hopefully, everybody had a good weekend. Uh, we are just past the halfway point of the uh, of the October month, which means we're barreling towards Halloween. Hopefully, uh, you have taken care of your costumes, your candy, all that good stuff, the decorations. Uh, as we get closer to arguably the best holiday that is on the calendar. Uh, so a lot to get into on the show. Of course, we'll recap the Commanders game uh, that they uh, picked up a victory, although at times it didn't feel like a victory. We'll do some college football talk. There are some happy fan bases in Blacksburg and Harrisonburg and here in town. We'll get into all those uh, victories uh, from the weekend, and uh, we will also get into the Major League Baseball. As I said, you'll hear both games here on 1061 ESPN. Uh, game two between the Rangers and the Astros. Rangers up 1-0 in that one. And then game one between the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. Uh, that one will be right afterwards. And as I said, it's game one. So no one's ahead in that series yet. Uh, before we go look at the, the weekend that was, we'll look at the week ahead. Because uh, here in the state, we've got football three days this week. Tomorrow, Liberty, for the second straight week, will play on a Tuesday. They host Middle Tennessee as a 14.5-point favorite. James Madison uh, is on the road at Marshall on Thursday as they get the spotlight. I mean, listen, I've talked a lot about James Madison being the flagship and everything, and they continue to show it, but, like, the Sun Belt continues to deliver for them. I mean, it's such a great relationship. Thursday nights, the Sun Belt plays on the four-letter network. And so James Madison, 7 o'clock. There's two college football games on Thursday. It's JMU Marshall and Rice Tulsa. I have no idea what the Thursday night NFL game is, but that's going to be a good one between the Dukes and the Thundering Herd. That will be coming up on Thursday. And then, of course, Saturday you've got Virginia, fresh off their bye week at North Carolina. Carolina is a 23-and-a-half-point favorite in that one. Uh, it's not going to go very well probably, but we'll see. You know, Virginia getting the bye week. We'll get into it as the week goes along. Uh, Virginia Tech has the bye as well. Uh, it looks like Old Dominion has a bye, maybe. I'm looking to see. Oh, no, they host Appalachian State. They're a six-and-a-half-point underdog in that one. And, of course, the FCS games, which do not have any lines out yet. Uh, Richmond is at North Carolina A&T. VMI fresh off their Silver Shaco win. Uh, they get a road tri- a home game against Sanford, and then William Mary plays Towson as well. That's all coming up this weekend. And, of course, the Commanders go to New York to play the Giants. All right, so I uh, I preach honesty on this show. That's just the way I am, whether I should be or whether I shouldn't be. So I'll tell you this. I watched zero seconds of the game yesterday. 
Uh, I was at Bush Gardens uh, for the whole day, but I was following along on my GameCast. So, I, I mean, look, there's only so much you can get from your GameCast. Um, so, you know, I've done a lot of reading as to what other people have said about this game. Uh, the largest thing that I could take out of it is this team heard for 10 days how bad they were, how pe people were giving up, how people were giving up their season tickets, how everything is awful, and they come out and they get a victory. Now, if you did the blind taste test sort of thing, where you just looked at all the statistics and you're like, all right, let me try and guess who won this game. You would have never guessed that the Commanders were the winners of this game. You would have never guessed it because the Falcons racked up over 400 yards. The Commanders, I believe, had under 200 yards of offense. Um, the key was the Commanders did what they had to in their situations, and the Falcons had way too many turnovers. You know, you, you look at that, as that game early. You know, the Falcons end the first quarter with the lead. The Commanders roar back. They're up 17-10 at halftime. They go up 24-10 to at the end of the third. And you're sitting there saying, all right, this should be a solid game. And it should be a victory. Then, that first drive, Falcons get a touchdown. They do not convert on the two-point conversion. So it's 24-16. Commanders move the ball a little bit. Then they punt it back to the Falcons. And the Falcons are moving the ball once again. They're down to the four, the two, the two. And then all of a sudden on the seven-yard line, Benjamin St. Juice picks off uh, Desmond Ritter in the end zone. And so you're sitting there, and you're like, all right, that's great. We need the offense to just do something, and the offense does nothing. They go three and out. And then all of a sudden, the Falcons uh, don't do anything with the ball, and then the you know the commanders basically run this thing down to the two-minute warning. And once again, here come the Atlanta Falcons moving the ball and another interception, and that's it. So on the one hand, you're sitting there, you're like, look, this is a team that didn't play very well, and they didn't play very well, and all of a sudden, they get the victory. And beggars can't be choosers. You can't be like, well, you know, I want to look good in my victories. You, you, you just got to win if you're the commanders. They are 3-3 three and three on the season. And so, um, you know, you look at this team and what they've done, and, um, you know, uh, it's a victory. It's 3-3. Three and three. And you got a bad Giants team on the road. Uh, it's not going to be much of a road game. Uh, I imagine a lot of D.C. fans, a lot of commanders fans will make the trip. Uh, um, you know, you're, in a, you're not in a bad spot. The Eagles lost. I think the Cowboys could lose tonight. And so you gain a game on both of them. Uh, and it's just so funny. This is how the NFL works. You know, every week it's in the NFL, it's something different. Two weeks ago it was, oh, my goodness, the 49ers and the Eagles, they look so good. They're undefeated. When are they going to lose? Oh, could they potentially both be undefeated when they play? And then, boom, P.J. Walker beats the 49ers in Cleveland. And, boom, Zach Wilson beats the Eagles in New York. And now both teams are, are picking up losses, and Christian McCaffrey's hurt, and Debo Samuel's hurt in, in San Francisco, and the Eagles have more secondary issues, and they are hosting the Dolphins this weekend. So it's just so funny how this league is from a week-to-week -week thing because, obviously, I crushed this team. One week ago on Monday, I was reiterating that I don't think the coaching staff is good. And I, to be fair and to be honest, I still don't think Ron Rivera is the answer. I, I'm not as concerned about him as I was, but to be fair... And I'm going to maintain this unless they go and win out or unless they continue to show me something every week. I still don't think Ron Rivera is the answer. I still think there are some issues with this team that even if they win, the defense still gave up over 400 yards to the Atlanta Falcons, who are pitiful on offense. Absolutely pitiful. Desmond Ritter, if he was a semi-decent quarterback, they lose that game. Or if they decide to commit to the run a little bit more. You know, I still think it's funny – 
on a week-to-week basis, the Falcons give the ball to Tyler Algier almost as much as they do to Bijan. I was going like, to say, it's funny to me. I was going to say if they if Bijan got going, they would have lost that. Yeah, I, I, it's the same thing. Bijan had 13 carries for 37 yards. He had five receptions for 43 yards. Algier had 13 carries for 51 yards. Like I, it's malpractice to me that Bijan Robinson doesn't get 20, 25 carries a game, especially when you got Desmond Ritter in there. And uh, look, if you're Atlanta, at some point you have to look at Taylor Heineke. I obviously the Taylor Heineke bowl can no longer happen, but it's just the Commanders defense nearly gave that game away. And by the way, I, I you know obviously I, as I said I wasn't watching, but I noticed also. Manuel Forbes did not play. Now, I'm not ready to write the kid off. I'm not going to say his career is terrible. I'm not going to be like, oh, it's a terrible draft pick because, you know, Darius Slay, as pointed out on Twitter himself, was benched twice in his rookie year. Not a great look that Emmanuel Forbes didn't play at all, but still, you know, on the one hand, they gave up a lot of yards. On the other hand, they made the key interceptions. They made the key turnovers, and so they did what they had to to get the victory. And you look on the offensive side, the run game was not spectacular once again. Uh, 3.1 yards per carry for, for Brian Robinson. You know, it's funny. You look at this, you see uh, 17 rushes by the running backs and a rush by the wide receiver, Curtis Samuel. And you see 23 passes. And you notice that Atlanta held the ball a ton. And that's why there's not a lot of numbers because you want to sit there and be like, dude, where was all this stuff? But the Falcons held the ball for 13 more minutes. So the more and more you dive into these numbers and you look at everything that was involved in this game, you thank your lucky stars that the Commanders got a victory and got out of Atlanta with a win and that they're not sitting here 2-4. and four. So it's a it was a fantastic win in terms of actually winning. Because there's been years where the Commanders never win this game. There's years where the other team breaks through or the Commanders force uh, to have a turnover and they are the ones who lose in this situation. They got the win. They moved to 500, and it's a road game. Remember that. Now, this team doesn't play as good at home, and I still think I saw the tweet that, like, oh, the, the Commanders-Eagles game in two weeks is a sellout. Yeah, I, I mean, let's be honest. There's going to be a lot of Eagles fans at that game, and so that's why they're selling out. Um, you know, at Giants, home Eagles, at Patriots, at Seahawks, home Giants, at Dallas. That's your next six games, so there's still another four road games in the mix, and the payoff comes... Um, you know, it's so funny. You you see all these road games here, and you have to remember that we're at a 17-game schedule, and the I believe the NFC teams all have one less home game than the AFC teams. It's one of those things where they switch every year. So next year, last year, the uh, NFC teams had one more home game. Next year, it'll be one more home game as well. There's not like this giant home-friendly stretch of the schedule. They've played one home game, 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 and then two at the end, the Niners and the Cowboys at home. So, you know, we've talked about it. This stretch is ridiculous in terms of how many times this team's traveling. So anytime you can get a win on the road in the NFL, you take it. And so that's what the commanders did. And as I said, gained a game on the Eagles, gained a game. I'm just going to assume Dallas is going to lose tonight. No, they probably won't. Because Dallas, here's another case. This is this is another case, and we'll take our break in a second. So we've talked about it before. The Chargers just know how to lose games. When they played Minnesota a couple weeks ago, Minnesota knows how to lose games too. So tonight you've got a Dallas team that loves throwing interceptions with Dak Prescott, and you've got a Chargers team that loves just losing games in obscene ways. So this is going to actually be a fascinating 
Monday night, Monday night game tonight. Uh, it's not going to feel like a Chargers home game, I'm guessing. There will probably be a lot of Dallas fans there. I'm sure there's a lot of Dallas fans in L.A. So it's going to be uh, nauseating for those of us who do not root for the, the team with the star in their helmet. But if Dallas loses, then you gained a game on them as well. And now after a bleak week, you are tied with Dallas in the standings and you're two games behind Philadelphia. Most likely you're not going to catch the Eagles. But if the Eagles play like they did yesterday, uh, you could and overtake them. So crazy how things look one week to another in, in the NFL. Um, by the way, the Commanders early on are a one-and-a-half-point favorite of the Giants. Uh, I would take Washington. That's just now. Obviously, the injury situation, you got to wait and see what the injury reports are, all that stuff. Giants got hosed last night. Let's all just admit it. I didn't see it live, but I saw the play. Giants got hosed. Darren Waller got held. Now, I don't feel bad because you're on the one-yard line and you don't plunge it. You don't QB sneak it. You don't do any of that stuff. I know you got two guys hurt the last time you tried to do that, but, like, you're on the one-yard line. You don't want to sneak it. So I, I feel bad in one respect because they did get hosed. In the other respect, I'm like, well, you probably should have ran the ball. You have Saquon Barkley. Like, this is why if you didn't feel safe enough to, 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 to run your court, your running back that you draft in the first round, like, what are we doing here? Uh, but the Giants lose a tough one. Now they come home and take on the Washington Commanders. It's up to two in, in some places. So they are a slight favorite. Uh, in that game. Uh, 327-0888, that is the phone number. That is the text line. We'll, we, we will uh, take your phone calls, emails, texts, and tweets, whatever you want to talk about uh, with regards to the NFL. We will jump over to college football, and oh, yeah, we'll do a little college basketball. The AP poll is out, uh, which, you know, let's just be honest. If, if I was running the NCAA and running the sports world in, in terms of the college sports, we would not have a poll until the first month of the season because we're basically just going off of what we saw last year. But because there is a poll, we'll tell you if there's any state schools ranked. Spoiler alert, there's not. And uh, the Sun Belt is holding their media day today. We'll tell you where they think JMU and ODU basketball is set to uh, slot in. So we'll do a little college basketball besides the college football. We'll also mix in a little baseball as well. Taking up to 4 o'clock, you're listening to 1061 ESPN. Anyone to forget, we have NFL coverage every Sunday afternoon, as well as every Dallas Cowboys broadcast here on your home for sports in the River City, 1061 ESPN Richmond. That's right. Uh, my bad. We're going to do the first baseball game, the ALCS, uh, as I said, pregame at the top of the hour, and then we're going to go join the Cowboys and the Chargers. And as I always like to frame it, because our station frames it that we host all the Cowboys games. I like to frame it that we have the opponents. So this week, if you're a Chargers fan, I know there's probably some Chargers fans out there, you can hear your team on 106.1 ESPN. There aren't That's any how in I LA. like to frame it. I, I, I mean, I'm just saying, uh, there's, not, there's probably more Chargers fans in Richmond than there are in L.A. Let's be honest. Can confirm. Um, I'm just, yeah, I mean, listen. In L.A., they probably loosely care about the Dodgers, and then... USC, and maybe that's it. Now, USC, UCLA, but as far as pro sports, they love their Dodgers and they love the Raiders. Ah, yes, that's right. The 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 they are the scorned lovers uh, because um, Al Davis, uh, Al Davis, and uh, his kin has taken them twice away from LA, but yet they still love him. Which is it's like how any any love story goes. Uh, you love what you can't have, and that's what the unfortunately those folks 
they're going through. Uh, so, yeah, if you're a Chargers fan, you can hear the game tonight. You're taking on the Cowboys. You can hear that here on 1061 ESPN. Uh, all right, let's do a little college football because it was a fantastic weekend. Let me just flat out say it. Uh, if you look at our at our, our D2 and D3 teams, Randolph-Macon destroyed Bridgewater. Hampton-Sydney uh, beat at Everett 31-28. Uh, Virginia State knocked off Bluefield State 39-23. And then uh, Virginia Union won 52-3. So we continue on with the, the victories from those four schools. And as I always say, um, if looking for a game outside of yours in Blacksburg or Charlottesville or, or Harrisonburg or whatever, uh, this weekend Randolph-Macon, Hampton-Sydney are both home. And uh, so that's an opportunity for you to go check out uh, some good football. And... Um, also this weekend is Virginia Union's home against Lincoln and Virginia State. So everybody's home this weekend. Plenty of opportunities to go check out some winning football. Uh, there was winning football to be played in Blacksburg. A very nice win for the uh, Hokies. 30-13 to over Wake Forest. And I think we've kind of settled on a quarterback here. Uh, Kyron Jones, thrown for over 300 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, the ground game didn't exactly help him very much, but I think we've kind of settled on some things, and I think the multifaceted nature of Chiron Drones, where he can beat you with his arm and his legs, I just think it helps. I think it makes a difference. You know, Grant Wells is kind of a statue back, back there. Now, do I love that Drones ran it 15 times? No, but, I mean, you know, that's kind of what we're seeing here, that they like to get him out in space and... Um, Look, you know, Malachi Thomas, six carries, averaged almost six yards per carry. Tootin had a touchdown. Um, you know, it's almost like this team figured out that, that they have weapons, and they're like, let's just get these guys out in space. And, you know, uh, the Lane kid had two touchdowns, Jalen Lane. And you look at some of the other guys who got involved, and you just notice this air surrounding this team, especially at home, that they're like, yeah, we can do this. Now, they have off this weekend only because they're playing Syracuse at home uh, 12 days from now. And for a Thursday night home game that I'll just say this, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to win that game. Um, and no, I will not be in attendance. This Syracuse team is not worth my two eyeballs watching them. The Hokies certainly uh, at home on a Thursday night do, but my alma mater is, is a mess when it comes to football. So you kind of reevaluate things. There's five games left for the Hokies. They have currently three wins. So they need three more wins for bowl eligibility. Uh, the Syracuse game should be one of those. Then they play at Louisville, at Boston College, host NC State at Virginia. Well, they probably won't win the Louisville game. Boston College game, who knows? You all know who've listened to me long enough. Weird things happen in Chestnut Hill. Boston College is not a good football team, but bad teams somehow in Chestnut Hill do really well. Uh, NC State, who knows? I mean, on, on NC State, some nights they look really good, and then they go and lose to a redshirt freshman in Durham. So I, I would like to think they're going to beat NC State. And then, look, the Virginia game's a toss-up. Who knows? I'm telling you, if Virginia continues to struggle, that game will sound like Blacksburg because I think the Hokies fans, if they sense blood in the water and if they sense the fact that they could become bowl eligible if they just beat Virginia, I think a lot of Hokie fans will make that trip to Charlottesville. So it could sound like a home game. We'll see. Um, but I think you have to kind of reevaluate things for, for Virginia Tech, and I think there's still a chance for them to go bowling. I saw Brett McMurphy, who works for the Action Network. He had Virginia Tech in his in his bowl eligibility, in his bowl uh, predictions. Now, he also had JMU in his bowl predictions because JMU can make a bowl. So, there, so while I've been bashing the NCAA, and rightfully so, 
They cannot go and win the, the Sun Belt East. They cannot go and make it to the Sun Belt Championship game. They cannot go to a bowl on their own merits. They can go to a bowl if every slot is not filled by a 6-6 six and six or better team. So if for some reason there is mass chaos and there's not enough to, uh, slots, JMU can push themselves right in, which is disgraceful. But um, Brett McMurphy does have JMU in a bowl game. Um, it's going to be hard. Obviously, you need a lot of chaos. You need a lot of teams that are hovering around that number to lose. Uh, and the irony of this whole thing is JMU's probably the best group of five team in America. Like, if we're going to be completely honest, now that could change. They could lose the Marshall game. Who knows? But if you look at some of the teams that they've mock, uh, uh, mocked to that spot, it was it was Wyoming last week. Wyoming loses to Air Force. Now it's Air Force. Uh, and Air Force has been good. Don't get me wrong. They're six and zero. But if you look at who Air Force has beaten so far, it's it's a it's a it's a litany of losers and terrible teams. Now, obviously, I have mad respect for the Air Force. They are. I mean, at one point this season, they were like an eighty percent conversion rate in the red zone, whether it's touchdowns or field goals. Like they've been ridiculous when it comes to converting that sort of stuff. But they've beaten Robert Morris, Sam Houston, Utah State, San Jose State, and San Diego State, and Wyoming. I just, I can't. I, I mean, if you compare that to who JMU's beaten, it's ridiculous. And I, I look, obviously I want JMU to win. But it, it would be amazing if JMU finished 12-0 and and you put some other garbage team in that game and basically tried to sell us this bill of goods that like, hey, here you go. And it's like, come on now, seriously? Like, we're not idiots. And the more and more they win, you know, this should be a, a large story come Thursday night. Thursday night on the broadcast, this should become a large story. Like, hey, there's a team that's in the group of five that should be getting the spot, but the NCAA is a bunch of fools and idiots, and they're not going to be able to. That's another opportunity for this story to be told because I think people are slowly starting to figure it out. Last week, I was watching college football game day, or no, one of the college football shows during the week, and they pointed it out, and it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, there's this team. They're doing really well. Oh, yeah, they can't make it because the NCAA is a bunch of fools. And we talked about it all week. You know, JMU had this game circled because last year in this exact almost situation, they became ranked, and then they went to Georgia Southern, and they clearly weren't focused. And they, you know, they had some turnovers. They didn't play well enough. The defense wasn't good enough. And they lost at Georgia Southern in a game that they thought they would win. The coach thought they would win. The players. And you hear it from the players. And you heard from Coach Signetti when he said, look, I'm going to stoke the flames a little bit with this thing. And boy, did they come out and beat them. And by the way, not only did they beat them, they did it on ESPN too. And so here's the funny thing. Like, you watch that offense. And I, I say it's poetry in motion on, on Twitter. And, and I'm sure some people are tired of seeing it. But, like, if you're a transfer quarterback, why would your first call not be to, to JMU? If you're a transfer running back or a transfer quarterback, your first call should be to JMU. Because this offense is just so on point, the way they run it. And it's so funny because they have all these guys in their running back room. And it's the same question I ask everybody. they got all these great number one running backs, and yet somehow they've all ball into the fact that they're willing to get the ball six to ten times a game. You know, you look, Kalon Black, 11 carries. Uh, Tyson Lawson, six carries. Uh, the Dollison kid had one carry for 26 yards. Like, these guys all bought in to this rotation. 
Jordan McLeod, 20 of 31, 259 yards, three touchdowns, uh, and no interceptions. Jordan McLeod's best uh, career statistics came with JMU, and he's been a bunch of different places. He's been a bunch of different situations. Like, if you're a transfer that's looking to go and get challenged and be in a great system, yeah, you're going to look at Oklahoma. You're going to look at USC. You're going to look at those larger schools. But, like, if you're, like, that slight tier below, I don't know why you're not calling James Masson. I really don't. And the defense, you know, there was a lot of concern. I was listening to one of my gambling podcasts, and both the guys picked uh, Georgia Southern plus the points. And they were citing off all these statistics about how JMU secondary has been a little weak, and at times it's struggled a little bit, and how Georgia Southern gets the ball out quickly, and how, you know, they, they run some things that will cause JMU some trouble. It didn't, didn't look like it. Davis Brin was sacked three times. He ran the ball, or he uh, attempted 52 passes. Um, I just don't I, – I, it's, it's one of those things – and look, I don't – if we address this sort of thing – I don't know if Kurt Signetti's going anywhere. I, 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 Kurt seems very happy in Harrisonburg. Harrisonburg seems very happy with Kurt. I, I feel like their other programs may flirt with him, but I feel like he's a guy who's going to stay. I don't get the same vibes that other guys that have been there. Um, you know, I don't get the same vibes. Like Mike, uh, not Mike London, um, Mike Houston. I got the vibes he, he wanted to leave. Like, I kind of got the vibes, you know, watching him and some of the interviews and things like that. Like, he enjoyed his time in Harrisonburg, but he used it as a stepping stone. I, I don't kind of get that vibe from Kurt Signetti. And if he stays and he can continue to just kind of shuffle guys in, because they're going to keep losing their offensive coordinators, unfortunately. It's the bad thing. When your offense looks good, you're going to lose coordinators. Just ask Richmond. Richmond had a great offense last year. Then what? Billy Kosh left. So that's the thing. When you're a lower-level program, you may be able to keep your coach for as long as you possibly can, but your coordinators, they're gone. You know, Unless they have some sort of ties, unless they're some sort of alum to a school, they're going to they're gonna go elsewhere to get more money. But if they could just go and continue, because if I remember correctly, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, Jamie's offensive coordinator was already on their staff, and so they just moved him up. I mean, well, if you're going to have an offense that's going to keep working in this situation, you could just take guys and move them up, even though you don't really want to, but you can stay in the family and keep this continuity. So, short week, though. Short week, a road trip to Huntington. Marshall uh, coming off the loss to Georgia State. Um, I believe on Friday, I gave, oh, no, I did not on the air. I texted Tim Murray. I had Georgia State. We both gave out Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh obviously won straight up against Louisville. Um, I had Georgia State on Saturday. I thought that Marshall was due for a letdown after two ACC games and getting ready for a Thursday game as well. Um, so, yeah, uh, we are going to try and do a JMU interview before Thursday, so that way we can uh, get ready uh, for the flagship program as they have their first Thursday night game since the Robert Morris game. I believe it, I read it on Chris Brooks's tweet that it was 2008 or so, maybe 2018. They had to move the game because of weather. Played Robert Morris on a Thursday. Robert Morris slightly worse than what Marshall is. Uh, I also have to give kudos, and I have been at times lax in discussing this team. I also have to give kudos to Richmond, who went to Rhode Island. Um, you know, Rhode Island was a nine-point favorite in that game. And Richmond goes to Rhode Island, and their defense just does. You know, we, we, we always focus on the offenses, but we don't over-focus as much on the defense. This team defensively is coming into form and doing really well. And look, the Coleman kid had some freshman throws, but he also had some big time throws too. And they use Kyle Wickersham to come in and run, and that's the best thing. They, 
Kyle Wickersham came in as part of the drive where he ultimately scored the touchdown. They knew what was coming, and they still couldn't stop it. And so Richmond, who needed the win, uh, um, they're 4-3 and three now. Everything's still in front of them. You know, I feel like if they win out, there's a chance they'll make the playoffs. Chance. Problem is, they're, you know, the NCANT game, NCANT is one win. They're not very good. Campbell at home, Campbell's pretty good. That could be an interesting game. Then the bye week, then Elon at home, and then the William Mary game on the road, which would be rather large for both teams. But Richmond gets the win. Delaware's the fr- in front at 3-0, and and then it goes Villanova, Richmond, Elon 3-1, and William Mary, Albany, Monmouth 2-1, and Rhode Island and Campbell 2-2, two and two, and then everybody else forget about it. Hampton one and two, New Hampshire one and two, Towson one and two, Maine one and three, NCA and TO and three, Stony Brook's zero and four. So Richmond's put themselves in a good spot. You wish that they didn't lose the other game out of conference. You wish they didn't lose the Morgan State game. Uh, you wish they didn't lose the Hampton game, but they've overcome it. They could have folded. They certainly could have folded two and three. Get Maine in here. Road trip to Rhode Island, they could have folded, and they didn't. And so I give the Spiders mad credit uh, for what they've done. And then, of course, William & Mary um, was off this weekend. And as I, as I also mentioned, uh, the Silver Shaco is staying with uh, or is going to VMI because VMI had a really good win over the weekend. Now, granted, this is not a very good Citadel team. They're 0-7. But we, you know, we didn't think VMI was going to win very many games at all this season. And so far, they've won three, which is a lot more than I think some of us predicted. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know very much about the rest of the SOCON, so I can't tell you what's going on with regards to VMI, but uh, getting the win in the rivalry game is always good. I mean, they're 2-1 and one in conference. Furman's 3-0, and oh, Western Carolina's 3-0, and oh, Chattanooga's 4-1. and one. That's a little um, uneven. VMI's 2-1, and one, Mercer's 2-2, two two, Sanford's 2-3. Uh, in that conference. So they're right in the mix. Uh, so uh, Danny Rocco is doing good things there. Now, the one thing that's a little concerning is VMI has scored 69 points so far in six games. They are, have allowed 138. So they're averaging about 10 points a game, which is not going to last. Surprisingly, that's not going to be a sustainable statistic if you hope to keep winning. But they've got their rivalry victories, so uh, congratulations to VMI. All right, let's take a timeout. Coming up, we'll do a little baseball. We'll do a little college basketball. The AP Top 25 poll is out. Uh, we will tear it to shreds. No, we won't really tear it to shreds, but we'll just point out the you know the fact that there really shouldn't be a poll right now because the season hasn't started yet and things have changed roster-wise. Pretty much everybody who votes in the poll just goes off of last year. Uh, so we'll tell you what the rankings are, where the state schools are, and we'll also tell you what's the Sun Belt layout. Who is going to win the Sun Belt, and where is the other team going to go in the state of Virginia? We'll tell you that, as well as a little baseball. We'll get you set for the pregame show coming up at 4. You're listening to 106.1 ESPN. This weekend, the Spiders travel to Greensboro to take on the Aggies of North Carolina A&T. Catch all the action here beginning Saturday afternoon at 1230 here on your exclusive home for the Richmond Spiders. 106.1 ESPN. Welcome back. 106.1 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here about three weeks away from college basketball, which is always exciting. There's this weird time when there's college football and college basketball going on, and you have campuses that are deciding between the two, and there are campuses who are very excited for one and not the other. <clears throat> Charlottesville. I, I mean, I'm just saying. 
some optimism with the with the Cavaliers basketball team. There's no optimism with the Cavaliers football team. So uh, those fans are excited. Of course, they had their orange and blue game. Uh, VCU had their uh, black and gold game. So um, we're getting closer to exhibition season for those two schools and for all the schools in the area. Uh, and the AP Top 25 poll came out. And I, I, I will continue to say it. I think that having polls early in the season are foolish. I understand why. We do it because TV wants to say, hey, we've got this ranked matchup. But, like, I feel like if you put Duke and Kansas on against each other, you don't need those little numbers next to the, to, next to each other to say that this is a really good game. You know, like, we don't need to rank everything. We're in a society where we just rank things. It's like, hey, let's just, you know, there's there's two uh, bugs crawling on the, on the floor, and you're like, well, which one's faster? Let's rank them. We, I, I've learned that as a sports society, we rank everything. And as I've said, rankings and lists are perfect during the offseason when it's just baseball on and there's no football or anything. It's the lifeblood of sports radio. But we don't need to rank college basketball teams yet. They're, they've played no games. It's the same reason why I will never give a freshman player of the year in the preseason. I've never seen them. Didn't vote Zion preseason player of the year in, in the ACC. Didn't no, Will not vote any freshman preseason player of the year. Don't know how they look in college basketball. And I don't feel like guessing. There is no guessing. I'd rather be right. Obviously, I was wrong. Zion did win uh, preseason. I'm guessing he did. He had to have. Uh, that Zion must have won preseason player of the year. But that's why. That's one of my things. Anyway, that's a long-winded answer by saying the AP Top 25 is out. There are five teams who got first-place votes. Kansas is one. Duke is two. Purdue is three. Laughable. Four is Michigan State. Marquette is five. They did not get first-place votes. But at six, UConn did. They got two. Uh, so your top ten is Kansas, Duke, Purdue, Michigan State, Marquette, UConn, Houston, Creighton, Tennessee, Florida Atlantic. Gonzaga's 11th. Uh, Miami's 13th in the ACC. Kentucky's 16th. North Carolina's 19th. Villanova 22nd. St. Mary's 23rd. UVA not ranked. They finished 31st. They got 27 votes. And I guess the way the season ended, I, I could see it. They're going to be a top 25 team for the majority of the season, I'm guessing. Maybe it takes a week or two. Maybe it takes a couple games. They'll be a top 25 team. Like, I'm not worried about that. So that's your uh, AP top 25. You can read the whole rankings somewhere if you'd like. They're out there. Uh, the Sun Belt, I guess, is having their media day today, or they're not, and the preseason poll came out. JMU is your uh, leader in the preseason poll to finish first. I'm not going to say they're the flagship basketball program, that's for sure. But uh, they received, so it looks like 7, 9, 10, 14 people vote in this poll. They got seven first-place votes. App State's two. They got two first-place votes. Old Dominion is one, uh, third. They received a first-place vote. Then goes Southern Miss, Louisiana, South Alabama, Marshall, so on and so forth. Preseason player of the year is a guy from Southern Miss. Uh, first team all-conference, Terrence Edwards from JMU. Chance Jenkins from ODU. Uh, nobody from either school in the second team or the third team. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be completely honest once again. I am not ready for college basketball yet. I'll start doing my research as the weeks go, as we get closer. Um, but I'm not ready for college basketball yet. Not in the least. I know I'm like a whiz and a guru when it comes to certain things. But, like, I do have my limits um, when it comes to, like, being ready ready for this sort of thing i know it's crazy uh also like what else came out uh over the weekend was the ken palm rankings 
which we kind of and I'm not the most analytically driven, but unfortunately in this day and age when I do handicapping in college basketball, you kind of have to look at some of these things. Um, and Ken Pomeroy is a guy we've had on the show. He's got great formulas and things. So he puts out his Ken Pomeroy rankings right now. He has Purdue number one, Kansas number two, Houston three, UConn four, Gonzaga five. Um, he's got Virginia as the highest state school at 33. And then Virginia Tech at 65. Liberty at 76. VCU at 86. Uh, and then let me just click on the A-10 so I can see where Richmond is. He's got Richmond. Uh, he's got Richmond at 126. He is predicting a 16-13 and 13 season for the Richmond Spiders. He is predicting a... 19 and 10 record for VCU. Now, let me just say once again, while I I respect what Ken does, I'm not going to be I'm not like this analytically based person in terms of like because this is somebody who's projecting a whole season. Just projecting the whole season. There's scores in here and everything. Um you can't account for the growing pains that VCU may have early with the roster they have. You can't account for the growing pains. Actually, Richmond may not have as many growing pains at least in the starting 5, but They've got a lot of transfers that they're adding in, too. There could be some growing pains early. Like, this is the funny thing about numbers. This is why I was telling you why when I was listening to my betting podcast and listening to these two guys rattle off a bunch of numbers as to why Georgia Southern was going to cover and potentially win the game, none of their numbers accounted for emotion. None of their numbers accounted for the fact that JMU has circled this game for a year. Ever since it came out, they're like, yes, this is the game that we want. Like, none of that stuff gets quantified in these numbers. And it's just so funny to hear everything that these people pour into these numbers. It's just so funny to me because it's just one of those situations where it's like numbers don't tell the whole story. Numbers can tell you certain things. Obviously, the point spreads that I cite on this show, they tell you at least somewhat of a story, what Vegas thinks, what odds makers think in terms of who's going to win a game, how much are they going to win the game, what's going to happen. So he said the Commanders are a two-point favorite against the Giants. If you look at that number, you you the the numbers baked in the the two or three-point home field advantage. And yet they still think Washington's a better team than the Giants. So if this game was in D.C. the the Commanders would be about a five-point favorite or more. Numbers don't tell everything. They don't. You can't encapsulate emotion. You can't encapsulate injuries. Injuries are a large part of every sport we think about. And yet these analytics, it's just, it's just, it's, it's too much. And I know some of you, the younger listeners, I mean, I'm, I still think I'm young at heart. Um, you know, you sit there and you say, well, analytics is the new wave. And you see some teams who use a lot of analytics and they're very successful. And you see some teams who don't use a lot of analytics and they're still successful. I think to each his own. There's a place for the numbers. There's a place for that situation. But it's not one of these things where I'm just completely driven by the numbers. Every team who is favored doesn't always win a football game. Do you know how many people probably, well, do you know how many people probably lost in Survivor because the Eagles and the 49ers both lost? Probably a lot. Probably a lot. Undefeated teams playing lesser teams on the road. Now you stay away from the, the road teams. I was glad I had the Rams in Survivor. But, you know, it's one of those things where the number doesn't tell you the story as a whole. It just doesn't. 
And so I, I, I like to refer to Ken Palmore's numbers. I like to refer to that sort of thing. But it will never be the end-all, be-all for me. Uh, got a text. One guy said his lock was Rutgers, and I loved Michigan State this week. Uh, yeah, I mean, every, look, everybody's going to look at gambling differently, and everybody's going to look at uh, sports differently. There, I, as hard as there is to believe, there are people out there who just watch football games for the hell of it. There are people out there who don't gamble on it, don't have fantasy football, just watch their own team, and don't uh, pour their emotion into everything. To me, that's just crazy. It's called real I fandom. I don't know many people like that. Excuse me? It's called real fans. Well, I don't know. But, I mean, yeah, yeah, they're, they're real fans. They're real fans of the sport, but there's not. That is a small subsection now of the fans, unfortunately. That's just one of those things that it's gone. There are very few people in the NFL and, who don't do fancy football and don't gamble. That's just the way it is. I, I think that you've got, you've got a lot of people who do both. You've got a lot of people who do one. There are very few people who do neither because of the way society's become. Every commercial is a FanDuel spot or a DraftKings spot or a BetMGM spot. It's just the way it is. We are a society that sees advertising, and unfortunately, some people get swayed by it. Last night, not me, there was a guy in my group when we went to Bush Gardens. Uh, you know, they were purchasing some um, uh, some some drinks. Let's say they were advertising one of the. They have like a, I think it's like a margarita or a blood bag blood bag for the Halloween stuff. It's like sixteen bucks, way too much money. And the guy bought it because somebody else bought it. It looked fun. He bought it, and that was it. Never gonna catch me spending sixteen dollars on one thing for alcohol, but that's a, that's a whole different story. Uh, let's take a timeout. We'll do one final segment. We'll get you set for the week ahead. You're listening to 106.1 ESPN. King, Big Al, Matt Josephs, and Bob Black. What could these four names possibly have in common? Not all too much. Are you listening? Are you ready? But they all talk sports, and they can be heard on these airwaves. Are you ready? Keep it locked on 106.1 ESPN Richmond for the best local sports talk in town. ESPN. Uh, Matt Joseph's here. Final segment of the show. Uh, as I said, you know, this week we have uh, JMU playing on Thursday. We will certainly touch on that. Uh, we may try and catch up with Jones Angel, see how uh, North Carolina football is doing after um, a demolishing of the Canes on Saturday. Uh, I could say this now. It stunned me how many sharp people in our in my industry, including Tim Murray. I got mad respect. Tim Murray does as much research as anybody else and is, is as plugged into the college football world as anybody else. But how anyone could have put any dollars on Miami this weekend? I know it's your team, AJ, but like I saw there was no shot they were winning that game after how they lost the last week. And they even were hanging around because after some of those turnovers, North Carolina did nothing with any of the turnovers. And then eventually North Carolina woke up and, and, and blew them out. But like, it stunned me how many people put money on Miami this weekend and figured, ah, well, they're going to just get over it. Like a program that that's proud, losing the way they did. They're like, oh, yeah, of course. It's Drake May me. is poised, uh, man. Drake May is really good, and he's this is his second really good game in a row. Um, he now hosts Virginia. And the one thing I think that could help Virginia is, you know, a little bit of a letdown spot uh, for the Tar Heels. 
coming off of the uh, impressive game against Miami. Um, but, I mean, I, I think Drake May still wins the game. Maybe they don't cover the large number there. But um, I was just stunned that, that that many people thought Miami were was going to win that game or cover. I mean, it was close to early, and I, I was getting ready to eat my words. But And then eventually North Carolina pulled away. Uh, Miami's hosting Clemson. I, I think my, I think there's a very good chance that Miami wins like one or two games the rest of the season, just because I, I it, this is a program that when everything is gone, goals wise, they just they they just they just go away. You're They're not gonna take wrong. Their I've NIL been saying that for 15 say, years. Thank you. It's the same thing. Now they do host Virginia on the 28th, so that's probably going to be a win. But then they play at NC State, at Florida State, home Louisville, at Boston College. Those last four games. Let me tell you, if they show up in Chestnut Hill the Friday after Thanksgiving, I will be stunned, to say the least. Cold, miserable, after eating all that turkey, all that good food, and then you want to go to Boston and go play a game in front of those fans. I'm not going to say what I really think they are. Can't say that on the radio. Yeah, good luck. Good luck. We'll see how Miami looks. I could be wrong once again. They're hosting Clemson. Clemson off a bye week. I think Clemson's going to win that game, but we'll see what happens. Maybe Miami digs deep and, and plays well in that contest. Uh, got another text real quick that uh, asked me who I like tonight. I don't really like anybody tonight. I, I hope the Chargers win. I, I I would put money on the Chargers, but they just find insane ways to lose, and so I don't want to be involved with that. They're a one-and-a-half-point underdog. So my lean would be the Chargers tonight. I just I, I can't do it. I don't trust their coach. I don't trust their quarterback. I don't trust Dak. I don't trust anybody tonight. I just want to sit and watch this game and see what happens and root for the Chargers and not hate life afterwards when this guy goes for it on fourth and seven in his own end area because he just uh, – who knows? That's my thought. But you can hear the game here on 1061 ESPN. Right after the Rangers and the Astros game two, Rangers up one nothing. Um Matchup tonight, Nathan Eovaldi and Framber Valdez. That is your pitching matchup in that one. The NLCS starts game one. It's uh, Zach Gallen against Zach Wheeler. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, thanks to AJ for all his hard work. Uh, yeah, as the week goes along, we're just going to preview a lot of the, the uh, stuff going on in the sports world. It's going to be a normal week for us. We'll do some Richmond football on Wednesday, some JMU football on Thursday. And we'll have a lot of fun as we take you through. This is the fun time of year, folks. October might be the best sports month of them all. The NBA is getting set to get underway soon. Uh, the NHL has already gotten away, a couple games in for several teams. This is, is arguably the best time of the sports year. Uh, obviously, no Bob. Uh, he'll be on tomorrow to recap all sorts of good stuff. Uh, but uh, coming up, we're going to take you to ESPN pregame coverage of the ALCS Game 2 between the, the Rangers and the Astros. Talk to you tomorrow, 3 to 4, 1061 ESPN. Stilettos and bros.